Hello, and welcome to Smooth Scaling, the podcast from Insight Partners that helps revenue leaders scale their software companies at every stage of growth. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan, and today I'm speaking with Jake Hofwagen, Vice President of Global Revenue Operations at Contentful, an API-first, composable content platform that helps companies orchestrate content from multiple sources and publish to any digital channel. Welcome to the show, Jake. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. I'd love to call this the chit-chat-free zone, and we, we dive right in on the podcast since we keep these podcasts pretty short. So I, I'd love you to reflect on your career or even your, you know, your existing role there at Contentful and reflect on a critical initiative that stands out as having had a major impact on revenue performance. My career started out at a company called McAfee in the mid to late 90s, basically. We transitioned the company from, a, from perpetual software to subscription software to host it really early on. So I was lucky to see all those, those different motions. Those motions really helped me to shape and become a better RevOps leader. Yeah. Well, I guess that brings us to 2023 and now you're at Contentful. Can you talk through a little bit of how the go-to-market motion has evolved there and, and what work you and your team have had to do to, to change things? Yeah, sure. I've been here for about a year and a half now and composable content and headless CMS is where the market is going. And earlier today, I just dropped my CEO and uh, there was a press release from, uh, from Shopify and Google working more closely together on the AI search. And AI search only works really well on top of structured data, on composable data, and on companies who have a strong API play with e-commerce engines, right? And that's exactly what we're doing. Our audience is not necessarily the buyers of Contentful, right? It's sales folks. So actually, feel free to explain. I'm actually curious what composable content and headless CMS are. Can you take a minute to explain what those terms mean? I think it all starts with structured data. In the end, we're a database company. Being able to structure your data, being able to publish it anywhere at any point in time on any channel is really hard to do, right? And you can't do that in a traditional CMS environment, right? But because we structure all our data, and with data, I don't mean words, I mean video, I mean images, uh, I mean blog post. You have control over all your data. You can push it out to any digital storefront or any digital channel you'd like. Number two is we're headless, meaning uh, we have API integrations, open API integrations with a lot of players. Um, as a matter of fact, we did about 70, 70 billion API calls last month. Just think about the scale. We're extremely flexible and agile. Right? And I think number three is we have orchestration on top of all of that. So you can easily manage all your digital assets, all your digital channels using our orchestration features, which, which makes us really, really unique, right? Because it's, it's really hard to think about traditional CMS. You load one piece of data, then you load another piece of data, then you load another, like, and, you, and it might be the same piece of data that you load on all your digital storefronts, right? We don't really have that issue here. I do use APIs, and for those listeners, as an application programming interface, it's basically a block of a way to make calls for information. I think that's one way to describe it across the internet. With a lot of API-first companies, as you guys are, developers just kind of go on the website, they sign up, maybe they get some free credits, and then they put in a credit card. So is kind of that your primary motion? And and then I know a lot of companies evolve from that to to getting salespeople involved. So that's a that's a big transition. Yeah, no, it is a big transition. Um, I mean, that's one of our primary motions. Let's say that someone does sign up and and they're using, is there a threshold at which you get an, an account executive involved? So basically, um, a developer signs up for a free product. 
they discover all these benefits. And, oh, it's really easy to manage all my data, my digital assets, and uh, I can replicate, I can, I can, I can localize, uh, I can publish in any channel, right? This is awesome. And then uh, they hit certain limits, maybe they hit content limits, right? And they, 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 want, to, they want to get a little bit more sophisticated. And then they, they sign up for our basic offering, for example, right now, uh, which is our paid offering, uh, which gives them a little bit more flexibility and, and more volume, basically. And then they want to get even more sophisticated and they sign up for our premium or our premium plus offerings. That's our PLG engine, basically. And that's, that's what Contentful has done beautifully up till now, I'd say. Like, we've really grown a lot just based upon our product strength, basically, and the developer community truly embracing what we have to offer. I can't remember where I read this, but I, I read some wise person who said every pure PLG company eventually adds uh, enterprise SLG, sales-led growth motion. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if you've done that yet there or before, but any words of wisdom on on how to make that transition successfully. Who do you hire to to be your first reps to do that and so forth? At any PLG company, it's a sensitive thing, right? And we never want to lose lose sight of what made us big, right? And what made us big is, is the developer community, right? So it's very delicate to transition or to embrace. PLG remains a very, very important channel for us. And uh, we continue to focus heavily on it. But at the same time, when you hit a certain scale, you have to start thinking differently about how you go to market. If you want to continue to grow 30, 40, 50, or 100%, or 150%, you have to cross the chasm. And I personally, I hate that term, right? Because it's so played out, man. But here we are, we're crossing the chasm, right? And we want to make sure that we increase our distribution. We want to make sure that we close larger deals. If you just have a PLG motion, you have to establish an SLG motion. It all sounds logical. It's actually pretty complex to do it because you have to think differently about marketing, right? You have to think about how you distribute your marketing budget. You have to think about how you want to plan, right, for the next couple of years, where you're going to grow and how you're going to hire and what your productivity assumptions are, your capacity assumptions. You mentioned the difficulty of transitioning inbound reps to outbound reps, and that resonates incredibly deeply with me. Do you find that it's easier to sort of segment your sales force, if you will, by channel? So the inbound folks stay on inbound and then you hire pure outbounders? Or do you find that you're, you know, you've been successful in transitioning people? And and if successful, love some pointers, because I've always struggled with that. So... If you just think about your segmentation lines and you, like say, say it's in, like first, first you have to figure out, okay, how do I want to segment my business? You got to put people in, um, in territory. So that's, that's number one, right? Segmentation. And I think number two is your coverage model. Is it inbound? Is it expansion? Right? Like, like, is it outbound? Right? These are all different levers that you can pull. I'm also curious on the, you know, on the AE transition side. So let's say you're an organization that has all inbound reps and they've been crushing it, right? Because you've, they've been kind of drinking off the PLG fire hose for so long. And then now the company needs to continue its 100% growth rate, 100% plus growth rate. And, you know, they say, okay, we need a certain amount of our bookings to come now from outbound. And maybe they're just starting that out. How does a company go about that cold start from inbound to, I need to begin to develop my outbound muscle. 
first you need to create a realization there, right? I think that realization is really important because if you don't realize that, then you're not going to shift budgets around. And you need to have a marketing organization that supports your outbounding motion, right? Whether it's with branding, whether that's field events, more webinars, uh, you name it, right? You're getting at something important, which is if you just try to switch the motion from inbound to outbound exclusively with sales, you're going to have a hard time, if not fail, because you need to soften the beaches with marketing before you do it. And I've seen that not just with outbounding. I think it's whenever you expand in any strategic vector, right? To what extent do you think the first line managers in that inbound to outbound transition are critical? Should they, you know, a lot of managers are, are reluctant to hold reps, say, to accountable to activity levels, unless they're missing quota or unless they're missing their targets. But I feel in that shift from inbound to outbound, that's, that's actually a time where you need to focus there. You bring up an awesome point, right? After doing this for, for a while in, in sales, as first line manager. It's the toughest role. You're basically the coach, right, for your pot, right, your team, your six or seven, your six or seven uh, AEs that you have, right? Because I think that's about the right span of control. Maybe in commercial, you can go a little bit bigger. It's such a crucial role to make sure that all the initiatives you uh, you plan on rolling out really resonate in the field. And so manager enablement, investing in your first-line managers is absolutely key. I wanted to pick back on the thread of NetSuite. So you'd mentioned the company got to ballpark $300 million and hit a wall, and then verticalization played some part of a role in breaking through that wall. Can you talk through that story a little bit? Yeah, they saw the wall coming, right? And we just saw it in our conversion rates. We had a general, like we, we had a general business unit, like enterprise commercial. So there are two things really that we did well, looking back at it as a team. Number one is we verticalized really well because we realized that a vertical, and it depends a little bit on your product, right? We also verticalized our product, right? And we verticalized our demo sets. The second part is we had a shift from an inbound to an outbound organization as well, right? As I mentioned, our leads were sort of drying up and we just had to become more diverse in our lead flow, right? So what's coming from partner, but also what's coming from outbounding. And one of the things we did, well, a lady called Joan Fitzpatrick really was, I can't take credit for it. She, she did a lot of work on our tall program, target account list. So build a target account list, get all the BDRs behind it, making sure that we measure our target account list pipeline, uh, getting some ABM, account-based marketing, right? One of, the, one of the good things that I've learned at NetSuite too was it wasn't, NetSuite was never a, a knee-jerk company, right? Oh, it doesn't work this quarter. Well, geez, we got to, right? No, like people were, people understood, right? And they understood because we had some awesome leaders who had, amazing tenure uh, growing sales-led companies, right? And they understood that outbounding was gonna take time and it was gonna require an investment and they really never changed the course that fast. You were just talking about BDRs and enterprise. There's an increasing number of voices out there saying that BDRs are not relevant in enterprise prospecting because of what you just said, like the sales acumen. Do you, do you buy into that? Yeah, no, I don't buy into that at all. Like maybe people forgot what enterprise means, right? It's not, it's not close a deal and then you run, right? It takes years to close a 10, 20, 30 or $40 million deal, right? And it takes years for, for your enterprise AE 
really to build these relationships, right? And to become a trusted advisor, selling the value. And if you want to really, really get deep into a large enterprise account, you need the help of a BDR to help prospect, get people aligned on events, invite them to events, share collateral, do account research, filtering that stuff up to to the AE, who then has a trigger to engage. There's a common theme that struck me throughout the conversation, which is just the theme of what strategy really means. And it applies, I think, to a lot of the initiatives you work through. And and if I were to think about at least three pillars of this, one is the monitoring aspect, right? The second piece was all around alignment. And then I think the third thing is patience, right? As so many organizations flit from what they would call strategy to strategy, but it's probably not a strategy if you don't stick with it and optimize when you hit roadblock. Yeah, yeah I think that's... I think that's spot on. It's very rare, unfortunately, nowadays. The amount of knee jerk in our industry is it's just it's increasing, and it's 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 like I see it in short tenures, right, with, with sales leaders, and it's just things just take time to to play out, right. And you also have to just recognize, even as a CEO, that if if you haven't created an environment for for sales to to thrive and be successful in, you really don't give a strategy a chance, right? It, it's just not baked. Yeah, well, I love give give your strategy a chance. I think that's the that's the beautiful words to end on. Jake, it was such a pleasure having you on the show today. Absolutely. I had a good time. Thank you for listening to the Smooth Scaling Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. For more information about the topics we discussed today, check out the Insight Partners blog at insightpartners.com slash blog. See you next time. <laughs>